Hello, my friends, and welcome to Between the Trees, a podcast with me, Dean Morris. Hey, friends, welcome back. So today we're talking about the Amazon the rainforest, not where you buy your books and, you know, all your other stuff. The Amazon, salvation, capitalism, and dust. That's what we're going to talk about today, because <laughs> those things are all connected. The Amazon, salvation, capitalism, and dust. That's our conversation for today. Um, just to situate this conversation in its kind of uh, space-time continuum. It's the end of August 2019, and currently uh, the Amazon rainforest in Brazil is burning at an alarming rate. Um, Many contributing factors towards this, but it's something that's kind of sat heavy with me as I've followed along on Twitter and Instagram and, of course, the the regular, more conventional news, um, hearing and seeing uh, reactions from people around the world, from political leaders with different ideas about, you know, why we shouldn't intervene in this mass deforestation of the lungs of the planet. Uh, I'm sure many of you, if you have followed along or have just been interested or curious in what the rainforest is and what it does for us, um, even before all of these fires that have ha- been happening, you probably are well aware of some of the uh, the really crazy and interesting and important roles that the uh, the Amazon has for us. It's the you know the, the one of the most popular kind of memes going around or internet facts is that. Uh, 20% of the world's oxygen, right? One in five breaths is produced from the Amazon rainforest, often referred to as the lungs of the planet. And we're burning those things down. There's an insane amount of biodiversity in the Amazon, uh, it's huge, 5.5 million square kilometers. That's that's big. That's like bigger than the continental United States. Um, I read somewhere that you could fit the United Kingdom and Ireland into the Amazon rainforest like 17 times over or something. It's just, it's massive. It's massive. And it's in crisis. And when we say it and we speak about the Amazon as something other than you know ourselves. It's it's a place. It's far away, depending on where you live, right? We um, we immediately create a divide. It's in crisis, but really, um, we we are in crisis. Our species, our planet, our existence. That's not dramatic. Is in crisis. Twenty percent of the oxygen we're breathing is produced right in the Amazon rainforest. And if we lose that, I mean, that has massive implications for for people and animals and just our entire planet everywhere. 
as well as just simply the fact that the biodiversity that would be lost, the species uh, that are already endangered, the species we don't even know exist yet that might be lost or jeopardized because of these fires is crazy. Now, so uh, this is not necessarily like a, a, a call to action. I'm not going to have a bunch of, you know, here's where you can donate. Obviously, we're, we all have the internet in our pocket. You can Google, um, you know, how you can contribute to different causes that support the rainforest. The one thing I will say is uh, if you're looking into that, make sure that you do your homework, right? Not all NGOs are created equal, unfortunately. Um, so just, just spend a few minutes poking around on, on uh, the old Google machine and, um, yeah, do, do some thoughtful inquiry into, you know, what's the best cause that you think you could support from you know indigenous people who live in the rainforest that need help and are helping to put out the fires to um, you know North American um, government organizations that are supporting the work uh, to to combat fires and to not only just put out the fires but address why they're being set in the first place which is maybe a conversation for a whole nother podcast but um, yeah <laughs> The, the land being cleared predominantly is being done so for production of cheap beef, cheap meat. And so one of the ways that we can address this problem really is to by drastically uh, reduce the amount of meat we eat. And I'm not talking about like, like when you go to the local market and you buy, you know, the whatever Alberta free range happy cows or whatever i'm talking about like the oh i'm in a pinch for lunch and i'm just going to swing by mcdonald's or burger king and crush that double whopper or whatever it is it's like the cheap beef where you don't really know where it's coming from you don't really know where it's been sourced that is a huge problem a huge huge problem in terms of where the beef comes from uh, conversion of the Amazon forest for, for cattle grazing is probably the biggest and most direct driver of deforestation. And these fires, a lot of them that have been set intentionally um, to create new farmland or grazing land for cattle that can be raised and sold back um, to North Americans, Europeans for a cheaper price. And, you know... Uh, my grandma always had a saying, you get what you pay for. And in some ways it just meant like, if you buy something cheap, it's probably going to break in a couple, you know, uses or whatever you get what you pay for. Um, but maybe in this context, it has a more, um, kind of a darker overtone, right? Like, sure. We're getting cheap beef exported, you know, to, to feed a bunch of people, but when are we going to reap what we're sowing? When is it going to, when are those, bad pun, but when are those chickens going to come home to roost, so to speak? Um, I think a lot of what we're seeing in the Amazon is a, is just the beginning of that now. Our, our demand for quick, for cheap, and for, um, you know, production to be done elsewhere so we don't have to see it, we don't have to be involved in it, we just directly benefit, or so we think, from the product being brought in um, en masse for as cheap as possible and with little to no regard for 
the implications or the long-term effects or outcome that these demands that mostly North Americans are making for cheap product and cheap food, uh, we don't pay attention or we don't want to know uh, the consequences of those things. Man, the Amazon is so important. It's so necessary that we protect it. And it's so crazy to me that we don't and that we we maybe change our profile picture to a forest or like an Amazon, you know, rain rainforest tree frog or something. Um, and then we will continue to live in our patterns that reinforce what's already happening. You know what I mean? We, we want there to be change. We want to advocate for change. We want our, our elected officials to, to make, you know, legislation and create laws to change the, the situation. We don't want the Amazon rainforest to be set on fire, of course, but I don't want to change anything about my life. I don't want to change anything about my patterns or my habits, certainly not my consumption or my, you know, my favorite tastes. I don't want to stop eating the things that I like to eat. But I don't want that forest to be on fire. So someone figure it out while I crush this Big Mac. Yeah, it's crazy that oftentimes the things that we want, we actually don't want to do the work to get, right? I mean, we can be as as uh, vain as a six-pack, right? Everybody wants a six-pack, but not everybody wants to, you know, <laughs> eat clean and do 200 sit-ups a day and go for runs and sprints and hill sprints and all this kind of stuff. But everyone wants a six-pack. But only a few people are really um, going to go and make it happen. Apart from those freaks who have just like amazing genetics, okay? Forget all you people. <laughs> and just to be clear, I don't have a six-pack either. So <laughs> I'm, I'm lumped in here. Like I, I want one, but sometimes it's hard to do the work and like, you know, <laughs> treats treats are tasty let's be honest yeah you know i had this thought too the other day i was out for a run and uh trying to get my six pack <laughs> just kidding i was out for a run and, and i was thinking about it was just bothering me this this reality of our amazon rainforest and then you know this thought came to me so so as i mentioned before in the in a previous episode i'm a, I'm a pastor um, I, I orient my life in the way of Jesus and, and I'm interested in the things that Jesus has to say about how we ought to live in the world. And in the tradition that I'm part of, uh, the, the Christian tradition in the last, you know, like 200 or so, maybe 300 years, and there, there's been this shift in thinking uh, tied to salvation, what it means to be saved. What are the things we have to do in order to be saved? And what does that even mean? What does salvation even mean? You know, what are the implications of it? And um, for a lot of modern Christians, salvation means uh, going to heaven when you die. Okay, now maybe you've been part of a church, maybe you've grown up in the church, maybe you've been, you know, bothered at dinner time by people knocking on your door or phone, phoning your landline back when we had those things and or handing you a track on the street like a little piece of paper that says like what do if you were to die tomorrow where would you go? You know, and it's just kind of all annoying and irritating because um you're kind of thinking about like, you know, that business presentation you have to do or what's for dinner or what bills I have to pay, you know, you're not thinking about What's going to happen to me when I die? 
And this Christian thought, this uh, picture there offering is that when we die, there's kind of one of two options. And if you believe the right things and say the right things, you're going to, you know, float away to heaven. Right. And we all remember those Philadelphia cream cheese commercials with like the angel and she's sitting up in the clouds and, you know, putting this nice looking cream cheese on crackers. And so, you know, if you believe and say the right things, you get to go and do that go to heaven. And if you don't, well, then, you know, there's all of these different ways that people articulate what's going to happen to you in hell. It's this fire or it's burning or eternal conscious torment and all this stuff. And, you know, maybe a conversation on heaven and hell is, is, uh, is worthy of another episode for sure. But the point that I'm trying to make is that a lot of modern Christianity has put the emphasis of the entirety of faith on leaving this planet behind. Right there's all kinds of hymns and songs and kind of uh, extra biblical conversations around you know this world is not my home and uh, this this thinking that you know this, this song when we um, Christians often sing at at a funeral is uh, like I'll fly away right it's this great old kind of gospely hymn I'll fly away you know, when I die, I'll, I'll fly away. I'm going to leave this planet behind. I'm going to leave this earth behind, leave this world, the troubles of all of it and and fly away. And there's, there's some beauty in like the release, uh, that happens in the moment of death. There is, but there's a lot wrong with the picture of, you know, escaping this earth and that salvation, this, this pinnacle moment built up in the, in the Christian schema is that, to be saved is to get your ticket to heaven, to get out of here. It does a couple things. It does a couple things to us. It reinforces or it introduces perhaps the mindset that the world is bad, that the world is someplace we ought to endure, not enjoy, and that the world is a place where we ultimately need to get away from. And that the promise of faith, that salvation is our ticket out of the world. This is extremely problematic because it places an inherently low value on the world. North America was founded as kind of this Christian, Protestant, and Catholic place, right? We had, we had our, our settlers coming from Spain, the conquistadors, and we had uh, settlers coming from Britain and all over, and they brought with them, among many other things, their Christian faith. And so America and Canada were founded on this, these, these values or these principles of faith. And they've been expounded over time. And, and in a lot of ways, especially in Canada, where I am, um, the, the society at large has moved away from the Christian values. But inherently, those, those cultural um, values are, are foundational to our country. They're foundational to North America. And this type of thinking that, that salvation 
is escaping this world and that that there is this connection between getting out of here and that the world is bad and we need to you know have faith in God and and do the things that we're supposed to do and certainly avoid doing the bad things so that we can get out of here one day when we die we'll be set free from this terrible place it's ingrained within us a view that the world is simply ours for the taking. And that since it's bad anyway, and we're the ultimate end game is to get out of here, that kind of it's this nonchalant, well, who cares? Let's just do what we're gonna do and use up the resources and you know enjoy ourselves, right? There's this line in Ecclesiastes, this ancient wisdom book that says, Eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And you know, part of that is a great excuse to just go party. And the other part of that is if you shift it, it's kind of this really jaded uh, interpretation that is often used to say, like, let's take advantage of what we have here and now because we're getting out of here anyway. Also, you know, this podcast is called Between the Trees, and I love the narrative of Genesis. I love how it introduces creation. I love how it introduces the world to us and and that there's this tree of life that happens at the beginning. And uh, in this Genesis narrative, um, God, in creating the world, however we understand that to be unfolding, but, you know, um, as God creates and this world is birthed through just explosions of atoms and multiplication of, you know, genetic code and this unfolding and beautiful creation that we have is, is, is imagined and is spoken into being, is created. God speaks and says to the humans, rule and subdue the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, right? Have kids, fill the land and rule and subdue. And so this, this, understanding of of ruling over and subduing right the earth is the foundational narrative coupled with this other narrative of salvation meaning to get out of here because the world is bad we need to rule and subdue it while we're here and then hopefully you know we'll get out of here and go to heaven and oh it'll be perfect there well the problem with this idea that a lot of christians have that it the planet is ours to rule and subdue, that the animals are ours to rule and subdue, is there's a question behind that that we need to ask. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, the first chapter of the whole narrative, where God says rule and subdue over this creation, we have to ask ourselves, for the people present, Adam and Eve, for the people who received that instruction, that invitation to rule and subdue, what would the example of ruling over and having dominion over look like for them? What would the example have been for them? The only example is God. The only example they would have had of, of, of a being ruling over and and having dominion or control over anything is God. And so what did God do in the creation? God created. God spoke. 
and gave permission and power for plants to grow forth from the ground. God spoke and gave invitation for life to form and evolve and grow. And then God spoke and gave permission or invitation for the sun and moon to circle and spin and glow and shine and give all of the life that it gives. God was a creative, generative, loving, and gracious picture of a ruler someone or something that has dominion over. So for Adam and Eve to receive this instruction to rule and subdue doesn't mean to rape and pillage. It means to care for, to cultivate, to allow for the creative, generative nature of creation to to show forth, to let the waters teem with the biodiversity that's inherently found, to not burn our forests down for money, for profit, but to support them, to allow them to thrive, to simply be the beautiful things they were created to be. But you see, when we understand creation as ours to rule over and subdue, to to rape and to pillage, to take and use for our personal gain, And when we take the idea that salvation ultimately is about escaping this planet, we have a recipe for disaster. I'm not blaming the church or Christians for the fires set in the Amazon. Certainly not. All of humanity has contributed to that. But I think there is something to be said about the stream of goods and And the question of who benefits the most from cheap meat and leather and where are these products going, you know, that the the rainforest is being cleared for. A lot of them are ending up in North America. And a lot of them are ending up there because we demand those products. Readily accessible for little cost, when we want them, how we want them. And so when we look at the flow, when we analyze the economy behind it, we can see that this North American capitalist machine, this demand for more and for cheaper at the exploitation of people and planet, when we look at where those goods end up, we can kind of follow and look and see where things need to change. Of course, things need to change in the Amazon. We need to get the fires out. We need to stop people from burning them. But if the demand for those products remains, changing stuff in the Amazon is like putting a bandage on, you know, a chainsaw wound. (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) stop. You need to suture the wound and then maybe get the chainsaw away from the person so they can't cut themselves open again. Bad metaphor, but you know what I'm saying. We need to address the problem at its root. The fires in the Amazon are a symptom of a much greater problem that an inherently flawed understanding of the goodness of our world and what salvation truly means is built upon. There's a, there's an author, um, Sally McFagg, and she wrote a book called the body of God, an ecological 
theology. And she says this about salvation, reframing it from this idea that we need to get out of here and go to heaven. She says very powerfully that salvation is the direction of all of creation, and creation is the very place of salvation. We can't separate salvation from the creation. We simply cannot. To do so is to make an egregious error. All is God's place, which is our place, which is the only and every place. We need to share in it. We need to celebrate it and protect it and steward it well for future generations and for ourselves. Yeah, the Amazon, salvation... Our capitalist economy fueling our greed, fueling our desire to rule and subdue in an unhealthy way this bad, seemingly bad world that we're all hoping to escape someday is just foolishness. And finally, a word on dust. From dust to dust, you might have heard said, it's a, it's a paraphrase or an allusion to the biblical story where God creates humanity from the dust of the earth. From dust you came, and to dust you shall go when we die. Everything is connected. We are all connected. Because regardless of what we believe, who we are, where we've come from, what language we speak, what color we might be, we are all the same. We're all of the same essence. There's not Christian air and Jewish air and Hindu air. There's just air. There's just oxygen that we all breathe. We all breathe the same air. We all need the same sustenance in life. And so there is this unifying factor that ties us all together. From dust we were created, and to dust we shall return. We all are born into this world, and we will all die. Death, birth and death are the great equalizers. From the beginning, the birth moment, <laughs> from the first tree to the last tree, all of life that happens in between the trees is beautiful and unique and different, and we are all so wonderfully, wonderfully diverse. And that is reflected even in the Amazon, the biodiversity that happens there. But we are all so deeply connected. When God picked up, however we imagine it, scooped up, a handful of dust and breathed his life-giving breath, his ruach, his, his breath, his spirit, and animated this dust into creation, into humanity, into human form. We made from the elements of the universe, the elements of the dust of the earth, were built and created into something beautiful and dynamic. And to deny our connection to the earth is to deny our humanity itself. And even as far as our own divinity, that God is in us, imagio Dei, we are the image of God, male and female, God created us to reflect God's likeness and God's image. 
In our diversity, we reflect God's beauty. In our differences, we highlight God's vast nature. We ourselves are made of the same stuff of the earth and of stars. It's simply stunning and simply beautiful. And when we die, whether we're re, um, uh, whether whether we're burned and uh, cremated, and our ashes are scattered somewhere, or whether we re-enter the ground, we're buried, right? We return in one way or another to the earth from which we came. I took my kids to see Lion King the other week, and I. I was fighting back tears, even though I know the story. We all know the story, and we watched it as a cartoon. But hearing it and seeing it again, as Mufasa explains to his son Simba, who will one day be king, explains to him the great circle of life. That they, although they eat the antelope, that when they die, they return to the ground, and the antelope eat the grass from which their bodies sustain, and so the circle is complete. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's absolutely true. So to not take care of the Amazon is to not take care of ourselves. We cannot extricate ourselves from the fact that we are all connected. The Amazon, even the way trees work, we exhale carbon dioxide and the trees take it and repurpose it into oxygen that we can breathe. We need them, and they need us. We are all connected. As Father Richard Rohr would say, everything belongs. Yeah. So as you listen to this, and as you wonder about how you can make changes how you can participate in a system that sees the world as good and valuable and beautiful and meaningful and sees ourselves as not superior beings, but as beings invited to rule, to care, to shepherd, and, and, and to have dominion, to have leadership, to cultivate, to protect resources. There's a, there's a psalm. It's like this poetic speaking. Uh, Psalm 72, it's this wise, wise man, Solomon, who, who spoke these words. And it's beautiful in its poetry. And it connects the idea of kingship and the earth together. And that a, a true king, a true ruler... Right, And even the same word in Hebrew is used here for ruling. Um, and a true king who rules over is bringing harmony between humanity and the world, humanity and creation. And that to truly rule is to be benevolent and caring, which is what... Adam and Eve, whatever we believe about the tradition, would have heard and witnessed from God who benevolently created and ruled over. Psalm 72 says, Endow the king with your justice, O spirit, the royal son with your righteousness. 
May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, this connection of earth and humanity, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May the king defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound until the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. May the kings of distant shores present gifts to him, and all nations would serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, and the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save them from death. Long may he live. May his name endure forever. May grain abound throughout the land. May crops flourish and thrive like the grass of the fields. The nations will be blessed and they will call him blessed. It's absolutely stunning that to rule over is to take care of people and planet and to see the thriving of all things come together. Thanks for listening. I hope you've had some thoughts of your own today. Maybe something challenged you or sparked, you know, uh, a thought. I, I encourage you to run with it. Dig deep. We looked at some texts from, yeah, Psalm 72, what we ended with there. And of course, the creation narrative. As we land and find ourselves on this beautiful planet Earth that we are connected to while we're here living between the trees. Be well, my friends. Peace. Peace.